0: You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Scott McNamara. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisedchurch.com. Good morning, Promised Church. I feel like I'm a bit far away from you all, so let me come closer. You guys doing good? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen. Okay, who's excited? Who's excited? I'm excited. Why are we excited? Because we have Jesus in our lives. That should be enough to make us excited, huh? Okay, I'm going to speak to you guys today from Daniel chapter 3. But first, we're going to pray. And then I have a little announcement for you as well. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to fill this room with an increased measure of your spirit and your presence. We love you. Ask you to open our hearts, open our minds. Ask you to heal our bodies and any broken hearts that we may have in this place. Lord, I pray that you would do surgery in us this morning, that we would leave here different to them the way we came in. We believe that you are the living God and that you are alive and full of power. So we meet with you today. We love you. Jesus, we exalt you. Our desire is to lift you on high. Holy Spirit, would you saturate this place for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, I have a little announcement for you guys. I know uh, Jeffrey has shamelessly plugged it for me, but I'd love you guys to check out the YouVersion app. If you're not familiar with it, I think we may have a picture. There it is right there, taken from my actual phone screenshot. So that is the, if you guys are not familiar with YouVersion, it's probably one of the most popular Bible apps out there and a really, really great Bible app. So I'd encourage you, if you don't have it, get it. And uh, this is why, not just this, but this is one of the reasons, I've been privileged to have a, a daily devotional plan on there. The book that we have coming out comes out on the, September 29th. I received my copies on Tuesday, I've just found out. And um, our, our amazing church are going to be giving some of you guys one as a gift, I believe, And uh, in the next couple of weeks. So this here is a little taster of what the book is about Every day you've got a devotional plan, it's going to just, uh, some uh, excerpts from the book and some devotional type uh, readings, some inspiring readings for you guys to get your head around and just get you fired up for what's coming. So I'd love you guys to get it, all you've got to do is just get your version and then type in, on the reading plan, just type in Jesus at the doors. does that sound good? And hopefully you guys will be blessed, we've had some great reports and people have been encouraged by it, so go get it and help us. Raise awareness. Okay, we're going to read from Daniel chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can turn with us to Daniel chapter 3. If not, we're going to have it on the screen, I believe. And I'm going to continue this series that Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Aaron have been running the series of fire. Remind me, feeding the fire. Exactly, that's what it's called, feeding the fire. So I kind of wanted to do something that tied in with that a little, and I believe this does tie in, because uh, what we're about to read, we read about people who literally fed the fire, or so they th- that was the intention. So we're going to read from Daniel chapter 3, does that sound good? Fireproof fireproof faith, I can't say that with my braces in, fireproof faith, fireproof faith as a tongue twister. I might be spitting a lot more now I've got these braces in, so uh, you guys on the front row duck. Okay, Daniel chapter 3, 1 to 30. I really should have some help because reading is a challenge these days. But I'm going to try my best. If I struggle, Jeffrey's going to save the day. Okay, here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps that they are like uh, public officials prefects governors advisors treasurers judges magistrates and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, Is if the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever, everyone say whoever. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into the blazing furnace. Not nice. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Everybody fell. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the King Nebuchadnezzar, may the King live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone, everyone say everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever, say whoever, does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we all know those guys don't we, who pay no attention to you, they're just not bothered, they're just not interested, they pay no attention to you, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up, furious with rage. The message translation says, his face turned purple. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, if the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if not, if you don't worship, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Ha, ha, ha. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, everybody say but. But, but, but. Even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not, never, ever serve your gods or worship the image of God that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and his attitude towards them changed. I mean, he was already furious, but now he's furiouser. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. Say seven. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army, people like Pastor Jonathan, to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, Trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Shadrach Meshach, and Abednego. That's a hot fire right there. And these three men firmly tied a fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three in the fire that you threw in the fire? They're certainly, uh, they they replied, certainly, your majesty, there were. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening to the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire, as you do. And the satraps, prefracts, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. I'm sure they were very amazed. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Come on. Then. Nebuchadnezzar said, and it's a long passage, but bear with me, it's, it's good. I kind of feel like sometimes we got, I know we like, I know they've heard it all before, seen nothing, veggie tales, but you know what? It's good, sir. It's good to open it up, yeah, and get, get a fresh perspective. The king said this Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other except their own God. Come on. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the in the province of Babylon. Come on. Isn't that incredible? Now, obviously, it's so easy to be blasé with some of these, uh, you know amazing biblical stories some of these really uh, famous biblical stories we can read them like yeah man I heard it a million times but I just want to look at it and just unpack it a little and and just break it down Um, because you know it's 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 dangerous to just kind of gloss over it and say yeah I heard it all before you know I mean this is like crazy stuff you know this is like you know these are things that we need to hear today you know people standing on their convictions uh, and, and believing in the Lord and willing to, to die for it. I mean, you know, it all sounds great in our heads, but like this is, this is real stuff. Okay, so I just want to look at it, and I'm going to break some of these things down to you guys. Okay, so the image of God, so we're just going to break through some of the, the passages, some of the verses that stand out to me. I'm just going to break down some some basic things for, for you guys. So the image of God that was, uh, that was laid out, it was a stylized obelisk rather than a normal statue. It was 90 feet high, and nine feet wide. So it's a, it's a good old-sized statue you've got going on there. Uh, they reckon, the, um, uh, the scholars reckon that it wasn't actually uh, fully gold, but it was wood, and it was um, overlaid with gold, which was a, a common method of construction in the ancient world. So they command the, the band to play, and everybody bows down apart from these three Hebrew men, or those that we know. So verse 15 it talks about how the king basically brings them, before, uh, brings them before the king and he says, I want to give you another chance. I want to give you a chance to recant. I want to give you a chance to apostatize. I want to give you a chance to, to realize the error of your ways and say, man, I blew it. Do you know? Now I'm here before you, king. Now you and your greatness robed in, in royalty. I realize, man. My God ain't so great. You know, now I'm in this moment, I, I realize maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have done what I did. That's what the king was hoping for. You see, the king was hoping to inject a bit of fear into these three young Hebrew boys. Because fear, what fear does to a lot of people, it paralyzes them. And when paralyzed, they're like lambs led to the slaughter. So they come before the three Hebrew boys, come before the king and all his grandeur. uh, And, you know, in this great uh, throne room with all these amazing people and sights and smiles and sounds. And they stand before him and he says, okay, recant, apostatize. And they said, no, we ain't doing it. And the king was like furious, he couldn't understand. You see, what could have happened, you know, they could have compromised. What the king was doing, he was trying to appeal to the compromise in these human beings. You see, so many human beings have compromised. So many men of faith and women of faith have a a weak spot. They have a little spot that the enemy likes to press. When you're having a bad day, I'll just touch that spot there. Maybe this guy's fasting. Let's just touch that spot there. That'll get him off the track. Maybe this guy has decided that he's not going to have sex before marriage. Well, let's just hit this spot. You know, let's let's go after his purity. The enemy knows the ways to compromise you because you're compromised in heart. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So they came before God and he looked. They came before the king, sorry. And they're like, how do we get him to compromise? We'll get him to compromise through fear. Now, what they could have done, these three boys, they could have said, man, do you know what? I know what we'll do. We'll worship the the, the statue, but we won't really mean it inside. Like we'll just, we'll go through the motions on the outside, but inside we won't really mean it. You know, God knows our hearts, yeah? Because God doesn't look at the outward, he looks at the heart. They could have said that, but they didn't. Or they could have said, I know what we'll do. We'll we'll worship the statue, and then what we'll do is we'll go home, and we'll have a little prayer meeting, and we'll repent. We'll ask God for forgiveness, because he's all forgiving, yeah? So I'm sure he'll understand that we didn't really mean it. They could have compromised, but they didn't. They stood their ground and said, you know what? I believe that our God is big enough, that he's strong enough, that he's powerful enough, that he can keep us even from a, bla- a blazing furnace. But even if he doesn't, I ain't going to bow. Even if I die in the fire, I am bowing. Because I serve my God and my God alone. Even to death. I will serve my God. Now, you may say, hey, that sounds beautiful, poetic, but I mean, it happened like thousands of years ago, so I want to read you guys a story that happened not too long ago. Uh, this happened in the, uh, in the communist days. I think it was in the, um, in the 60s or 70s in, um, in China. And I want to read, this is a story taken. I remember reading this when I first came to know Jesus in 2001. I was given a book, Jesus Freaks. And it's a book of all the martyrs, uh, like the voice of the martyrs. All the martyrs have been killed for, over the years. And I remember reading this book and just being like, wow, this is crazy. People, modern day, are giving their lives for the Lord because of the faith. And this is one of the stories that stood out to me when I read it in 2001. It's a true story. It says this. The communist soldiers had discovered their illegal Bible study. As the pastor was reading from the Bible, the men men with guns suddenly broke into their home, terrorizing the believers who had gathered there to worship. The communists shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. The leading officer pointed a gun at the pastor's head. Hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the pastor handed over his Bible, his prized possession, with a sneer on his face, the guard threw the word of God on the floor at his feet. He glared at the small congregation. We will let you go, he growled. But first, you must spit on this book of lies. Anyone who refuses will be shot. The believers had no choice but to obey the officer's order. A soldier pointed the gun at each one of the men. You first. The man slowly got, uh, got up and knelt down by the Bible, reluctantly held the Bible and spat on it, praying, Father, please forgive me. He stood up and walked to the door. The soldier stood back and allowed him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier said, nudging a woman forward, nudging a woman forward in tears. She could barely do what the soldier demanded. She spat only a little, but it is enough. She too was allowed to leave. Quietly, a 16-year-old girl came forward, overcome with love for her Lord. She knelt down, she picked up the Bible, and she wiped off the spit. What have they done to your word, Lord? Please forgive them, she prayed. The communist soldier put his pistol to her head and pulled the trigger. That is fireproof faith. Someone who's willing to go in the fire and say, My God is able, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow to you. How beautiful is that? A 16-year-old girl. Put some of these men of God to shame. Come on, it's beautiful, huh? You see, some of us are in positions right now and we're in the fire. Maybe you're going through, maybe you've been diagnosed with a death sentence and you're like, God, I know that you can bring me through this. I know you can heal me of my cancer. God, my husband's just left me. I know you can restore my marriage. God, my finances are, are, are zero. I don't know how we're going to put food on the table. How are we going to pay rent? But I know that even if you don't, I ain't going to bow. Even if you don't, I'm not going to bow. I'm going to hold on and keep holding on and keep holding on because I know you're good no matter what. You see, how do you get to a place where you can hold on in the hottest place of the fire? I think for many, we need to go through processes. We need to go through some smaller fires before we go into the great big fire. You see, when we read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't just put into this great big flaming, uh, flaming furnace. They'd been through some smaller fires before. We read in, uh, earlier in Daniel when they chose to abstain from certain foods. Where they chose to not follow in the current that everybody else was going, uh, was flowing in. They'd made some decisions already, we read some smaller decisions that enabled them to stand on their convictions. You see, when you obey God, something stirs and builds inside of you. So when you get into the next situation, you're more steadfast. And there's something stronger because faith is like a muscle, and more, the more you work it, the bigger it gets. And we read, even, even thinking about David, what did he say when he faced Goliath? I faced, uh, sh- uh, I faced lions and bears, and the Lord was with me then, and he'll be with me now with this giant. You see, often in our walk with the Lord, he takes us through some smaller fires. And when we go through those and get refined, then we get the big ones, and we can stand. You know, many of us, what we do is we live our lives just however we want to live, and we say, yeah, you know, one day, man, if they put the gun to my head, I- I'll-, I'll be faithful to the Lord. You know, if it ever happens, if I ever get thrown in the fire, I know what I'm going to do. But you don't live in a way that allows the Lord to put you through smaller fires. But in this ideal, idealistic, poetic, romantic way, you think, yes, I would die for the Lord. But you won't even allow him to move you through some smaller fires. Because it is a journey. In verse 19 and 20, we read this. The king was furious, his face turned purple, he was full of rage. I just think about um, in, in Acts, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 57, they said this, Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting when they were going cr- to stone Stephen. Just before they were going to stone Stephen, he began to speak some truths to them, and they didn't like it. So they covered their hands over their ears and ran out screaming and shouting, Be quiet, be quiet. They didn't want to hear what was being said. They were so full of rage and so angry, they couldn't bear to hear. This is kind of what the king is like. You see, the men are standing on the convictions and the king's like, I can't even believe what I'm hearing. How dare you defy me? How dare you stand against me? But there's another story, just like Stephen who stood like that. You see, what had happened is the tables had turned. When the men were getting thrown in the fire, this is the, the miraculous part, isn't it? That these men had bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, the furnace wasn't just a, a little oven where you cook pizza. These furnaces, they were built on the side of a hill and they had a huge uh, chute. And what they would do, like big, big chimneys, and they would throw people down, uh, not people, they would throw uh, objects down the chute, down the chimney into the uh, flaming furnace. So these people were bound, like if you imagine like uh, almost like body bag type things, they were like, you know, wrapped in like straitjackets and they were thrown down the chutes. Now that could have killed them alone, but the men who were throwing them down the chutes because the fire was so hot, even as they approached them, they were burnt and killed. You see, often what God will do is he'll take what the enemy intended for evil and will turn it for your good. See, what happened in this situation was the people, the strong men who would bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the ones who ended up being killed. You see, often you get bound by strong men. You get bound by Satan. And what he wants to do, he wants to take you down. And he bounds you, binds you in whatever he binds you in. And he's like, I'm throwing you down the chute. But something happens. What happened? Well, we read this. We read that these men were not only kept alive from the fall. But actually they were kept alive in the fire. And what's really interesting is that some scholars believe that there was a wind change. That there was a change in the wind at the top of the chimney, at the top of the the furnace. In the 11th hour, in that last moment, there was a shift in the wind. And the wind came and changed and protected these men. But it caused the other men to die. You see, God loves to move with winds. It's kind of like the breath of heaven. He likes to sometimes just... Just give it a little blow. We read about the time, you remember the time the children of Israel crossed over and they, uh, the Lord decided to part the seas. They, uh, they reckoned that a north wind came overnight and caused uh, the seas to part. The Lord likes to use wind. What is wind? It's the breath from heaven. So what had happened is the men are about to die and suddenly the Lord decides to blow on the situation. You see, all it takes is one breath of heaven and your situation's changed. So, you may be thinking right now, man, I'm on the last 11th hour. This is it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And all you need to know is if you hold on long enough, if you stand firm long enough, you're going to get a. And the Lord's going to blow in your situation. He's going to blow in your circumstance. And everything can change in a moment. All it takes is one breath from heaven and it's changed. You see, the Lord doesn't have to huff and puff and blow your house down, He doesn't have to exert Himself. He just blows. It's done. And what's beautiful about this is in the the Aramaic translation of this particular scripture, we read this. It's not that they were just free, but actually it says this. This is the translation. It says, they were free and walked about with joy. They were free and walked about with joy. How beautiful is that? To know that they're not just free, but they're free with joy. Now, many of us, when we're going through the fire, we're like, okay, man, well, I- I'm free, but I don't know about joy. I mean, that's taking it a bit too far. I'm going to wait till I'm out the fire and I'll bring the joy. I- I'll drop some joy bombs. I'll get the hands in the air. I'll do a little jump. I'll do a little Holy Spirit two-step, a little Pentecostal two-step. You know, once I get out the fire, then I'm going to get excited. But in the fire, I ain't getting, I mean, there's no joy here. I've just got to get my head down. I've got to get through it. You know, when that cloud lifts and I come through the other side, and then I'll give him all my praise. But what if you could give him your praise in the fire? I believe the barometer for a mature Christian is how they worship in the fire. It's how they praise in the fire. Is their faithfulness in the fire? Can you worship? Can you just love them in the fire? I know for myself as a new believer, uh, uh, when I was a new believer, for probably the first 10 years, I went through this cycle of like this depression coming over me. Like I had post-traumatic stress and all this kind of stuff, and it was really heavy on my heart just coming at me constantly. And what I, what I would want to do is what I would have did a lot was go to bed. I just went to bed, put the duvet over my head and had like a, and slept until it passed. You see what I was doing, I was in the fire and I was free, but I wasn't living like a free man until the Lord taught me and schooled me. And he said, Scott, I want you to stand. And I couldn't do it because the fire was so hot. And what my wife used to do, what Jay used to do, she used to sit me, I'd be sitting there and I couldn't do anything because I was so bad with PTSD and she'd come and she'd say, we need to praise and I said, Look, I have got nothing I can't praise. And she would physically take me by the hands and she would stand me up and she would force my hands in the air and she'd start praying and praising with me. Thank the Lord for strong wives, huh? So you may look at me and think I'm the strong one, but it's only because I have a wife who, who held me up by my arms when I couldn't stand, when I was a post traumatic stress sufferer. And I didn't even have any energy and she'd stand there with my hands in the air and she said, We're gonna pray. We're going to praise. Come on, let's do it. And we just start praying and start praising. And I have no energy to do it, but I would do it, and I'd do it, it. and guess what happened? Freedom came. Why? Come on. Amen. Praise God. Why does it come? Because the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When you're heavy, praise him. Praise him. Do you know what the Lord often does? He will use the things that are sent to kill us, to free us. So the fire was intended to destroy them, but the Lord used it to refine them. When I was suffering from post-traumatic stress, the last thing I wanted to do was put myself in a situation that would increase or or, or would uh, awaken uh, the PTSD, but the Lord didn't seem to mind. So I remember when I stood outside a a bar in Northern Ireland, the crazy place that I've told you guys about, and I was there one one evening and my friend came over and he said, Scott, we have a a situation as a girl overdosing right now uh, outside the bar. And I was over here sharing the gospel with someone. The problem is my trigger was a drug overdose. That was my trigger. So, you know, when you're going through this stuff, you don't want to be reminded of your triggers because, you know, obviously it kicks it off. So I'm stood there. My friend comes over. He's like, there's a girl over here and she's gone blue. She's overdosing. And I'm like, what? What do you you mean? I look over. There's this girl unconscious on the floor going blue. Next thing, the boyfriend comes over and he's like, man, you've got to help us. My girlfriend's dying over here. And I walk home and she's like, slouched on the floor, blue and not breathing. And I'm like, Mah. and I'm trying to like get my head together, trying to get my thoughts. And I just said, just get her in the car because my car was right there. So I get in the car, the boyfriend, my friend and the girl get in the car and I drive at speed to the hospital. Now I'm going to the hospital, I'm like trying to, you know, passing the lights and whatever, and just going crazy driving. And in this moment, my PTSD's kicking and I-, I can't breathe. I've got anxiety attacks coming on me. Like this is bad. But I'm like, God, you got to help me. So I'm driving, driving, driving. I'm right in the, in the heat of the fire. But I'm, I'm going and I'm pressing. And I said, pray for the girl. Just start praying for her. And my friend starts praying for her. He's praying for the boyfriend's like, man, she's dying. She's dying. She's not breathing. And I'm like, just keep praying, keep praying. We get to the hospital. I'm like, get her out quick. They get her out the car. She comes to. And she's like, what's going on? Where am I? Totally fine. It's crazy. He's amazing. And I said to I, I said... What's happening? And the boyfriend was like, she's totally fine. She, she looked at me. She was like, where am I? What's going on? And she couldn't believe it. The Lord had totally restored her. You see, what God often will do is he'll bring freedom to you in the middle of the fire. If you will stay in. Why does he put us in the fire? If God loves us so much, why would he put us in the fire? Okay, I want to read this to you from Malachi 3, 1 to 3. Says this: I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. I want to read this real short, uh, real short passage to you, so story to you here. This just kind of uh, sums up and just exemplifies the idea of being in the fire. A young man happened upon a silversmith who refined silver and gold from raw materials, sitting in front of his fire. What do you heat? Uh, why do you heat that metal? He asked. The refiner answered, In order to make precious silver, I have to remove all the impurities that make it worthless, uh, are worth less than it really is. The young man thought about this, uh, thought about his own life and how one time of fiery suffering or another, he was require, required to move some of the junk in his own life. Why do you sit while you work, inquired the visitor. The refiner said, I have to watch the fire closely. Too little heat and the impurities will not be removed. Too much heat and the precious metal will be destroyed and made worthless. The young man reflected how his life and comfort had brought a sense of complacency that led him to abandon his dreams, settling instead a humdrum life but he had also come through painful fiery times with character and strength that he would have found nowhere else then the young man asked the refiner how do you know when the silver is at the right temperature the refiner smiled and answered I know the purifying is complete when I can see my reflection in the silver the young man marveled at the answer thinking that is true in my own life My own fiery trials were once complete where my refiner's image could be seen in me. What a beautiful expression. Why does God put us in the fire? In order to remove the things that bind us, the Lord puts us in the fire to free us. But will we stay in the fire? Will you praise him in the fire? What I love about this is when they came out of the fire and they said, you don't even smell of smoke. They gathered around them. They circled them, and they said, "Were you? Were you in the? I, I were you in the fire? Have you been in the fire? Yeah, we were in the fire. But I can't even. I can't even smell the smoke on you. Now you know smoke. Like it gets anywhere. You walk down the street. Someone stood next to you in, in a in a bar back in the old days when they smoked in bars. And when I drink in bars, don't worry, I'm, I'm good. But but back in the day, you know, if you're around people who smoke anywhere, bus stop, bus in a bus anywhere. It gets on you. It kind of just sticks to you, smoke. You can't get it off your clothes. In my clubbing days when I was a kid, I'd come home and my clothes just stink like a chimney. So they came out of the fire and they didn't even smell of smoke. How can that be? And they couldn't understand. You see, they didn't look like people who had been in the fire. You see, when God does a work in your life and you come through it, there's people out there who are going to look at you and you tell them what you've been through and they say, no way, I don't buy it. There is no way that you went through that fire. There is no way you went through that situation. There is no way that you had that health scare. Because you don't look like you have. You don't look like you just had a heart attack. You look great, man. You don't look like your husband just left you. You look great. You don't look like a year ago you had cancer. Because when you go through the fire and he refines you and he brings you out, they won't even smell smoke on you. Because that is what the Lord will do. When people without Jesus go through the fire, often it will take them down. Often it will destroy them, or they'll, uh, they'll form an addiction, or they'll end up in some depraved way of life. But when we serve our God and when we hold Him, He will keep us in the fire and refine us. Why does that happen? Because Jesus is in the fire with you. You see, you end in there alone. It's not just man, I've just got to try and get through this thing and and hope that it works out. No, he's in there with you. Do you notice that when the three men, the three boys came out of the fire, Jesus didn't come out with them. The son of God who they saw in the fire, where was he? He didn't come out. So he must still be in the fire. Why would he still be in the fire so that thousands of years later, when your husband's leaving you, when you're having a health scare, when you've just been diagnosed with cancer, he's still in the fire and he's waiting for you. And he's saying, hey, guess what? Don't worry. I'm already here. I knew this was coming. i got it taken care of and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to hold you and I'm going to surround you. So every step and every breath, you're going to know my presence right there with you. You're not going to go through it alone, but anything you go through, I'm going to go through with you because he is faithful and he said I'll never leave you I'll never hurt you never forsake you but we've got to hold on and we've got to trust God in the fire and that's difficult and it's not easy to do what happens when you come out the fire? we read this they were promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were promoted you see sometimes a favor for your future can only be found in the fire What happened to these three boys? Not only were they promoted, but the God of Israel was promoted and he was put back into his rightful place in this kingdom. Just like David and Goliath. What happened? David went into the fire and faced a man-eating giant. Everything changed after that moment. He was promoted. Married the king's daughter, became part of the royal family, most famous king ever lived. Why? From one encounter. From one moment. Well, you say, I'm going to be steadfast in my faith. One moment is all it takes. One moment of being put in the fire and saying, God, I'm going to hold on to you and I'm going to believe you're going to keep me. You see, when that happens, there'll be another one. But you're going to be more steadfast because of what you've been through. The Lord wants you in the fire because he wants to purify you. There are some things that can only get out when you're in the fire. Will you let him put you in? Will you trust him? Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 2 says this, But now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I've redeemed you, I've called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. He's faithful to you in the fire. No matter what you're going through, no matter how impossible it may seem Jesus is already there and he's like I know this is coming I know this is coming I know about that bike accident I know what's going to happen but guess what I'm going to be in there waiting for you in the fire because he's faithful so my question to you guys this morning is this first I want to ask this oh, let me let me tell you this if I can be very real. <clears throat> when I was 24, I saw the gates of hell. The Bible tells us that hell is a real place, a place of torment, a place of uh, a burning sulfur, a place where your body's on fire but you don't die. It's not a nice place. And I saw the entrance to it when I was about to die of a drug overdose. That's how I came to know the Lord. So my question to you is this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, well, he wants to keep you from that fire. He wants to extend his mercy to you today and say, I gave my life on a cross for you so that you wouldn't have to go through that fire. I went through the fire of the cross so that you wouldn't have to go into the fires of hell. So if you don't know him this morning and you want to take hold of his hand, then I want to give you a chance to do that. I want to give you a chance to respond. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've, you've been there, but you've walked off the path. So my question to you is this, if you were to close your eyes tonight on this earth, and many people will? 7,432 people die every day in America, every day. How many people go to sleep tonight thinking they'll wake up tomorrow and don't? What if you close your eyes on this earth tonight? Do you know you're going to open them, look Jesus in the eye and say, all is well with my soul. Do you know that you will not only escape the fires of hell, but that you'll be embraced by your loving Savior? Well, if you don't, then I implore you, take a hold of his hand. So I want to give you a chance to do that right now. And I count to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in response to heaven and say, Jesus, thank you that you went through the fires of the cross to keep me from the fires of hell. And now I want to give you my life. There's only one requirement. It is that you leave the wide road where you're the boss. You turn around and say, Jesus, I'm making you the boss and I'm coming onto the narrow path. That's the only thing that's required of you. One, that Jesus died on the cross, bloodied and battered and horrifically tortured for your sake two he rose again on the third day and three he stands at your side right now and says come 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 to me so if that's you raise your hand to heaven and say I want you I want to be sealed by salvation I want to know that I belong to you <clears throat> if you've known him but you've, you've drifted off the path if you've backslidden if you've uh, wondered then today he's saying come back to me so if that's you raise your hand to heaven and say Jesus here I am I want you I love you I need you to take this opportunity. I don't know who's here and who's not, but I don't like to let this moment pass. Okay. Anybody? If you're here, raise your hand. Okay. If you're here and you're willing to say to the Lord, look, I know that I've been I've been hiding out of some fires. I know that I've been dodging some things and and I've just been miserable. I've been through some stuff, but I haven't really honored you. I kind of feel like I've turned to other things as coping mechanisms. I've used other things like self-medicating, whatever that may be. I haven't looked to you as my source of joy in the fire. But I've got to be honest, I'm struggling, Lord. I need you right now. I need you to show your face to me in this fire. I'm going through some stuff right now and I need to know that you're with me. I need to know that you're here in the fire with me. Will you show yourself to me? If that's you, then I want to pray for you guys. So if that fits the bill, will you're like, man, I know I have an honored God in the fire and I'm sorry and I want to. Or you're just like, I'm going through it and I just need to know you right now. Then come on down and we're going to pray for you. So just come forward. And we'll pray for you folks. Thank you, Jesus. So if you need a touch from the Lord this morning, you say, look, I'm, I'm going through it. But I need to know you're with me. Then just come and respond. And just come and receive a touch from the King. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are the God who is with us in the fire. Lord, and I just pray right now for these uh, individuals. ask your Holy Spirit that you touch them. ask you to breathe on them. Lord, we know that one breath, just one breath can change everything. If you blow on a situation, it can turn it all around in a heartbeat. So I ask you to breathe. Holy Spirit, would you breathe right now? Would you blow upon the situations of their lives? Lord, you know every detail. We don't need to know. You know every single detail of what they're going through. And Lord, I just pray right now that the heaviness would be lifted off them. In Jesus' name, we just command all that heaviness to lift off you right now. The weight that you're carrying be, to, to be removed right now in Jesus' name. Every weight, every burden, all shame be lifted off you in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to rest upon them, Lord. I ask you to breathe your breath of heaven upon them and that you would shift the circumstances ask that you would cause a wind to to shift cause a wind to change like you did with Shadrach Meshach and Abednego Lord and that their situation would change but Lord even if it doesn't that they would have a resolve in their heart that says even if even if I'm still in the fire I'm not going to bow I'm not going to bow to sin I'm not going to bow to self-medicate. I'm not going to bow to the things I know that are unholy. But I'm going to keep my eyes on you, God. Even if I don't get my husband or my wife, I'm not going to bow. But I'm going to believe that you're enough for me, Lord. I'm going to believe that you can sustain me in my singleness. Even if I don't get healed in my sickness, I'm going to believe that you love me. I'm going to believe that you're going to hold me. Holy Spirit, just pour out your power. Lord, give us all more grace to trust you in the fire. Give us all more grace to trust for for the breakthrough, Lord, that we're contending for. Holy Spirit, we just commit everybody to you, Lord, and all those that, that maybe didn't stand but have got situations they're going through. We commit it all to you. We commit the future to you, the future trials, the future struggles. And Lord, would you give us faith to allow you to purify us. Thank you that what the enemy intended for evil, you turn for good. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to turn all things for good. That when we look back, we're going to look and we're going to see, God, I thank you that you put me through the fire because what you did in the fire, I could have got nowhere else. So we praise you in every circumstance, in every season of our soul, we lift up your name and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. We will never bow to another. We praise you, Lord. We exalt you. We love you. In Jesus' name. You guys, just receive prayer as much as you need it.